Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz. I'm Jeff Antoniak. So today I want to talk about Art Tatum rhythm changes. Okay, so we'll have to dig in a little bit to what that is. Um, a cool harmonic set of substitute changes for rhythm changes. This is pretty cool stuff. You've heard all your heroes doing this, whether it's Monk, Art Tatum, Coltrane, Sonny Stitt, J.J. Johnson. Doesn't matter. This is pretty cool and, um, and we can expand out from this knowledge. It's a very specific bit of information but what we can do with it and how it makes us think differently is the most important thing. Of course, I'm talking to you adult, amateur, semi-pro musicians, the folks that I love to talk to, the folks that I love to serve. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. And by the way, uh, I appreciate everybody that tuned in a couple days ago to the Digging Deeper Jazz webinar. We had hundreds of people on there, fantastic questions. So we're going to keep doing that once every month or so. Um, it's, it's a wonderful way to me to, for me to understand what you're thinking and if I can answer some questions for you and help you move ahead. We, uh, somebody asked me about what I'm currently practicing and that was sort of interesting because what I teach and what I practice are often very related, but sometimes not. I'm working on some new ideas that aren't ready for prime time. That's what practice is. It was a cool discussion. Okay, so let's get into this idea of rhythm changes to begin with. So rhythm changes... Uh, is referring to the song I Got Rhythm by George Gershwin, and so we generalize that, uh, make it generic, the chord changes. So like the blues are a generic set of chord changes that we can write a song over. Tens of thousands of songs have been written over the blues. Well, hundreds, probably thousands of songs have been written over rhythm changes. And it's such a popular thing for jazz musicians to solo over or to play. Hey, let's play a rhythm changes tune. Let's play Olio. Let's play I Got Rhythm. Um, we try to get creative with it. So Art Tatum, going back decades and decades, had this amazing set of chords that he loved to use. So let's do this. Let's start off by hearing two A sections of just plain old rhythm changes so we know what we're talking about. So this is item number one on the sheet. I'm just going to improvise twice through that so we can get a sense of what we're talking about. This one, six, two, five progression. That's kind of the heart of it. So item number one is actually just the first five measures I played, eight measures, the full A section. So getting that in your ears. You've heard that a million times. If you've listened to any jazz, you know what rhythm changes is. So here's where jazz musicians start getting creative. We're talking about chord substitutions. Okay, so how do we substitute chords? How do we know what will work? Well, that's the art and the genius of it. So here's something that Art Tatum realized. If you look at measures three and four of rhythm changes. What we see is an E chord progressing to an A chord, progressing to a D chord, progressing to a G chord, progressing to C. Some of us will recognize that as the circle of fourths. E, A, D, G, C, right? So circle of fourths, interesting. We also call that a three, six, two, five, one progression. So if that's new to you, this idea of grouping chords together as a given progression, 
This is huge. This is the kind of thing that I help people with at Jazzwire. You hear me talk about Jazzwire all the time. If that's new to you, we can add rocket fuel to what you're understanding if we get to work together at Jazzwire. I hope you'll check that out. Okay, so, um, so let's push ahead from there, assuming you understand that. Great. So those chords are lumped together. We understand that an E chord likes to progress to an A. It's sort of a 5-1. An A likes to progress to a D. It's a 5-1. D likes to progress to a G. It's a 5-1. Guess what? G likes to progress to a C. It's a 5-1. So it's this chain of 5-1s. 3-6-2-5-1. Cool. So I think our Tatum was saying, well, if all those like to progress, I wonder what came before it. What comes before an E? What comes before that chord? Can we create a longer chain? Instead of five chords, can we create six or eight or 10 chords? The answer is yes. Item number two, we see that Art Tatum just kept going back one chord. From that E chord in the third measure, he went back one and discovered, well, it's a B. He went back one, discovered it's F sharp. He went back one, discovered it's D flat or C sharp. He went back one, and now he's at the beginning of the form of rhythm changes, and it gets to an A flat. So we're doing rhythm changes in C here, just to keep things simple for everybody. Um, so instead of starting on C, he's starting on A flat seven. So these are interesting chord substitutions because they're not really substitutions the way a tritone sub is. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, these are a different set of chord changes. So we're gonna talk about how to use those in just a minute. But I brought up tritone subs. Um, I'm doing four online workshops that, uh, that I announced just last week. We just did one a couple days ago on funk and rock playing. It totally sold out. Now, when I say sold out, there's only 15 spots. So people were lined up for other spots. We had to turn them away and put them on the waiting list for the next thing. There's three more workshops coming up. And the one coming up this coming week on Thursday, September 24th is on tritone subs. That would be a great one for almost all of you. We're going to talk about the mechanics of tritone subs and analyze a ton of tritone sub material from Michael Brecker to Coltrane to Johnny Griffin to on and on and on. So that would be a great one. And there's two other workshops. One on October 1st is on expanding your vocabulary on the one chord. Very specific, very cool stuff. And then we're doing a rhythm changes workshop on October 8th. We have literally a handful of spots left for those three workshops. So uh, just go here, register. They're $35 each. They're done online. And we get to communicate. Like It's not like this where I'm talking to a camera. No, we're communicating. Me and 15 of you, we're working together. I'm hearing you play. You're hearing me play. It's pretty hip stuff. Okay, so let's do this. I'm going to now uh, play these chord changes so you can hear Art Tatum changes. This big, long circle of force thing that finally lands in the fifth measure where we need to land on that C7. So I'm just going to have the track play, and I'm just going to play the roots of those chords so you can very obviously hear what's going on. So it has a totally different 
flavor to it. Some people call this like the cycle four set of chord changes or the circle of fourths thing or the start on the flat six thing. If you're playing rhythm changes in C, you just remember start on A flat, the flat six, and do the circle of fourths. So people refer to this as different things, but a lot of people credit Art Tatum with uh, historically coming up with this set of changes. So what I want to do now is move on to two bits of vocabulary. Let me play um, this example number three for you here. It sounds like this. Sounds a bit like Baroque music. And it is. Bach came up with this centuries ago. If you listen to some of the partitas, well, just listen to, you know, music he wrote. You're going to find this circle of force thing in there. So, yeah, Art Tatum changes. Maybe let's call them Johann Sebastian Bach changes because <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay, so let me do this. I'm going to play um, item number three. I'm going to play those four or five measures. Then I'll improvise the last half of rhythm changes. I'm going to play them again. So I'm going to play item number three for you twice. But here's the thing. I'm not going to use those chord changes. My iReal Pro here is going to be playing the real, the traditional chord changes from number one. So you're going to hear some clunking. Let's check it out. So yeah, that sounded pretty out. Now, in the real world with a good player, when they heard me doing that, they would hear I'm clashing. I'm doing something different. So a good piano player or a guitar player would just stop comping. they just lift their hands up and go, what's he doing? They would listen. They would realize I'm doing something that isn't what they're doing. So they may stop or they may realize they may be hip enough to jump in on the second chord. They're so quick because they know this, because they watch this video. Okay. Um, yeah. And now, why do all those quote-unquote wrong notes sound good that I'm playing? The answer is it's clear that I have a plan. It's clear the repetition in there, right? It's a very motivic lick. That lick is the simplest thing in the world. Look at it. It's a three-note lick. It's three, one, flat seven. That's the lick. Everything there is three, one, flat seven. Look at the second chord. Three, one, flat seven. Look at the next chord, F sharp, three, one, flat seven. Look at the B chord, three, one, flat seven. And then I had a passing note the last couple times through. There's nothing simpler. So I'm really relying on the circle of fourths, the logic and strength of the circle of fourths to make your ear think that I'm not insane. <laughs> so what you're hearing is like, well, Antoniak's kind of playing some weird stuff there, but I can tell he means it. I can tell there's structure behind it. That's what even a non-musician can hear. So now let me play that example again with these chord changes, with the hip piano player. And 
That is why you should have a hip piano player, hip bass player, hip guitar player in your band because it sounds fantastic when they know that's going to come, right? So yeah, and again, for you folks who are comping or accompanying, this is going to make you a better comper and accompanier. And by the way, that's why piano players, guitar players, bass players, you get hired. Yes, we love your amazing solos, but for me, I want someone that makes me sound good. If I'm the band leader, I want a piano player that is an incredible accompanist, that, that facilitates what I want to do, that creates moments behind me. None of that is soloing. The soloing is awesome, and I expect it, but I'm looking for a great accompanist. This makes you a great accompanist. All right, let's look at one last thing, and this is uh, from a ridiculously great Don Baez solo from 1945. I can't believe it's so early in the history of modern jazz. I mean, bebop was barely a thing in 1945. Don Baez killing it, playing duo with Slam Stewart. Anyway, so here's a cool moment from that solo um, where he does a lot of this Art Tatum circle of fourths business. And so this is sort of an excerpt from there. And uh, I'll just play it twice through and you can see that what he is playing, it's very simple. If you take a look at it now, the first four notes, all chord tones. The next four notes, three of the four of them are chord tones with one passing note. The, the E flat is a second scale degree. Next four notes under the F sharp chord, chord tones. Next four notes, chord tones if you want to call the ninth a chord tone. So the thing is, this thing is like 90% chord tones, but how he's weaving his way through the changes, the wonderful resolutions, the third to seven resolutions, and other resolutions too. So check this out. This would be a wonderful thing to get under your fingers. So, uh, so before I play it, I'll just say goodbye right now. Thank you for tuning in. Please share this video with other musicians who you know could get a lot out of it. Um, I want to work with you at Jazzwire too. So for you adult amateurs who have been plateaued for years, for decades, that's what we do there as we get people moving. And uh, check out uh, one of the uh, online workshops. If you're not quite sure if Jazzwire is for you, this is an easy way to see how we work together and how powerful it is. So here we go, some Don Baez. <laughs>